Sorry I'm late, my evening MBA class ran long. I promise it won't impact our D&D game, though. So let's start the session. A direct service provider at the local hospitality company thinks you possess the core competencies and synergy to be a change agent and push the needle in a transformative deep dive to execute a hostile takeover of a nearby asset, adding value for all stakeholders involved. You may feel some pushback, but thinking outside the box, drilling down and pivoting as needed should take it to the next level. What? Why do you all look so confused? The bartender will tell you the location of the lair for a cut of the treasure. Is that so hard to understand? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Grognards. I'm Dean Geiken. I am Eric Hawley. And I'm Greg Ziegler. And today we're going to be talking a little about some of those things that aren't quite covered in the rule books of D&D or in many games that we play. Yeah, there's like game mastering and dungeon mastering. Right. Some of those unwritten skill sets that we need to be able to have so that we can play a game well and have it progress comfortably and, and efficiently. and Have everybody have a good time. Make sure everybody's having a good time. But before we get into that, we need to talk about some of those games that we've been playing. This is our regular segment, Games People Play. All right, so I've been playing quite a bit of games. Unfortunately, the one game that I haven't been able to play is D&D because, well, damn it, scheduling. I hate that. Yeah. I absolutely hate it. You should listen. You should go to ConCon. You could play all your games. I know. And yeah. all my players would be there because I could always have, you know, somebody ready to play D&D. But I did get to play quite a few games over the last time, uh, over the last bit of time that we met. The game I probably played the most of was Memoir 44, which is a World War II strategy game. I enjoy playing this game because I can play it over the uh, internet with my friends in Germany. We played the heck out of it. And I really enjoy that game because it does take a long time to set up in person, but when you play it online, you just select the scenario, and boom, there it is. It's all done and ready to go. Um, discovered a new game called Azul. Have you guys heard of it? I don't think so. Nope. It is number 37 on the Board Game Geek <laughs> list, and I played Maybe that's it. why. <laughs> well, out of what, uh, 1,700 or more games? Wasn't that the God in Ghostbusters? Was it Zool? What was the God in Ghostbusters? <laughs> it's yes. just Zool. Yes. <laughs> there is no Dana, only Zool. Just yeah. Zool. This is a Zool. Oh, okay. A Zool, or however you want to pronounce it. I don't care. I was introduced to this uh, back in March. I played it one time, well, two times, and then immediately went out and bought the game. Um, basically, players take turns drafting colored tiles um, from what they call the factories to their player board, and then later in the round, once you've filled up certain lines, you can then score your points based on how they place the tiles to decorate the scoreboard. You can get extra points for scoring horizontally, vertically, and if you have all five of one particular color. This game is a lot of fun. It's number 37 on the Board Game Geek uh, list of hotness, and it is a beautiful game, so I suggest that you try it out. It's named Azul. Also played Star Trek Panic. You've played that before, haven't you, Craig? Uh, no, I haven't, actually. I've seen it, but I haven't played it. That is a fun game. It is a cooperative game where you have to basically uh, complete certain amount of missions with the Enterprise and the crew. Everybody takes on a role of the crew, and it's one of those things where things just keep coming at you, and you have to deal with them nice. as they come in, and, of course, things happen to the Enterprise. And uh, It's based after... 
Castle Panic, which maybe you may or may not have heard I've, of. I've Is seen that. Like I a get, card where an seen Andorian and female throws herself at you? No, oh, nothing okay. so good as that. <laughs> nothing quite as good as that. Yeah. It was the Orion female. That oh, was Orion. Okay. Yeah. The yeah. have the things. And, and I think uh, I've been talking about this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Star Wars guy. I'm, yeah. Well, we let that go. We'll let that pass. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> And since I can't seem to get my regular game group together to play d and I've also been delving more into the solo game Barbarian Prince, which was one of those little box games that came out in 1981. I've been talking a little bit about that. Well, my last adventure didn't end so well. The Barbarian Prince pretty much got beat up by a dragon. Uh-oh. Yeah. Don't mess with dragons. Yeah, I know. And I was so close to winning the damn game. And <laughs> now you have to start over. Well, I hated being honest. I really wanted to fudge that last roll. Yeah. But... I've also been hosting our regular evening of Euchre Night at the local pub in my hometown, and that's taking off quite nicely. But I've been playing quite a bit of games uh, that are not D&D, unfortunately, because I can't seem to get my players to sit down and figure out what their schedule is. Yeah, did you hear about the uh, little kid that goes to see Santa Claus at the mall, and Santa says, what do you want for Christmas? And he says, I want a unicorn. And Santa Claus says... There's no such thing as unicorns. What else do you want? He says, well, I want a D&D group that meets regularly every week for the D&D session. <laughs> right. And Santa Claus looks at him and says, what color unicorn? Yeah, because he's more likely to get <laughs> that. Yep. That's an oldie. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Greg? Um, uh, not playing a whole lot. Uh, That's I don't have because the time. you've been watching Game of Thrones. Yeah, I'm losing a lot of sleep doing that. I just finally decided to catch up. I've never really had HBO because I'm unwilling to pay for it. So, um yeah. As we record the new season premieres in, what, five days? Yes. Yeah, four days? Yeah, I was hoping to catch up by then, but I, I'm still, I don't have a way to watch it until it's over. So uh, anyway, I'm just going to keep losing some sleep, and I just I knew I would binge. That's the whole thing, is once I got two seasons behind, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be terrible to try to catch up. And so circumstance came up, and now I'm trying to catch up. But uh, no, my uh, Star Wars game is is moving along really good. Um, it's We've set it up really well. So, like the situation we were just talking about, when somebody doesn't show up, almost all the characters have an excuse for not being there at the drop of a hat. You know, they all have a job that could take them away from the main action. So they could just disappear for a run and show back up and no one will notice or care, find it suspicious. Or it's not that hard for the uh, game master to pick up on it. Well, I do do that. But this one is specifically geared towards a couple of characters in the game. And, well, when they don't show up, I can't have a game. Yeah, uh, we're, we're actually putting actual effort into working around that situation because it happens so much. And, uh, and other than that, I've only just uh, played a couple of uh, sessions in uh, Eric's games. Now that our monthly game is back with Eric, uh, yeah, I think yeah. Mark, Mark did a nice job over the year, but I, th- I think Eric's happy to be back trying to murder us with large groups of dragons. Yeah, three dragons last time at once. Nice. Well, they're like 16th, 17th levels. No, so we're 18th, okay. 19th 18, level. 19, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm 19th level. Yeah. So, yeah. What dragons did you throw against them? Um, well, there's this comp- complicated backstory about okay. the this sort of other part of the world and there's three dragons who work for the the evil dictator leader type and uh take the tater off they were gonna hunt the dragons down but (laughs) dragons aren't stupid and and they're powerful enough that they got wind so the dragons decided to hunt them down yeah well my game would involve a dragon and i tell you what if these guys don't show up on a more regular basis i may just have the dragon kill them all and game over so not worry about scheduling anymore we took care of two of the dragons two or three of the three yeah 
the, uh, yeah, but the uh, yeah that ancient the black ancient dragon. dragon uh, yeah, he's uh, he's now threatening to raise the village, which does, is a problem if you're the good guys. Yeah, he he does have us sufficiently terrified. Yes, <laughs> and um, and our biweeklies. It's that's uh, moving along. Yeah, parent teacher conference got in the way of it last time. But yeah, yeah. Well, life boy. sucks. Darn kids. We need to just quit our jobs. And what about you? What about you? <laughs> well, <laughs> that would be really nice. Yeah. <laughs> Professional D and D players. Yeah. yeah, that's a new concept. Um, yeah, so you know how some people like run marathons and they put those little twenty six two stickers on the back of their mm-hmm. car, which I, I find annoying for no apparent reason. Um, <laughs> but I feel like I've just finished a convention marathon. Like you have I have been gone going to a lot to of them. So many conventions for whatever reason. I don't know. I've had like convention. At least every other weekend uh, for the past, like... couple months. Yeah, a couple months. So I just finished Roll Call. And, yeah. Um, that was an all-Adventures League commercial. That's the one where I premiered my my adventure, uh, which went well. Need to make some tweaks. Uh, but I did play a couple games there as well. Oh, on the roll, uh, on your adventure, how many times did you run? Just, just twice. There just was twice? a third okay. one scheduled for... Sunday, but Sunday's always always questionable in terms of attendance, and, and sure enough, we didn't have enough to, hmm, to okay. make it happen. So um, I played Sunday morning instead, uh, a tier one module, which is always interesting. <laughs> but um, so it, it went well. Yeah, it went well. Okay, um, uh, I'm I have a break now. The next convention is not till D8 Summit, which is the first weekend in May, and I'm running and and playing a lot up there, but. While I was at Roll Call playing a Tier 4 adventure, I started, I've been tossing this sort of what I call DM soft skills around in my head for a while. Um, and that's what got me thinking about this this thing. So maybe we'll wrap up games people play. I've been playing a lot of D&D and running a lot of D&D. Okay. <laughs> and then we'll talk about DM soft skills. All right. Well, that was our segment, Games People Play. Okay, Eric, so tell us what... Again, inspired you for this DM soft skills subject? So I'll, I'll relate the anecdote. So we're in Tier 4, which is a hard mod, uh, level to run. It's 17 to 20. Yeah. Right? Wow. And in organized play, it's really hard because you're very constrained by what you can do as a DM. So you can't just – you can add some monsters, but they have to be thematically appropriate monsters – you can't just add, like, damage. You can't up the damage of the attacks. You can maybe fiddle with hit points a little bit. But you are way more limited than a home game. Mm-hmm. That being said, um, there's a lot of skills a DM uh, still has, or a lot of tools that they have, that'll make the game better. And I sort of call those soft skills because I don't know what else there. So basic DM rule knowledge is assumed, right? You have to have some sort of rule knowledge to run a game. Mm-hmm. One would think. And, and technically, you don't even need to know all the rules. You just need to know more than the players, in my, <laughs> my experience. <laughs> but with D&D, that's sometimes a problem, because you got a lot of people who, like, you know, for fun, sit around and read the rule yes. books and the monster yes. manuals and memorize the monsters. And Yeah. yeah. But there's ways to deal with it. I mean, if I run into a character build that I don't recognize, I'll just ask the player. I'll go, how are you getting your 18 attacks? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then they'll rattle it off, and I'll listen and go, okay, I guess that makes sense, right? Um, but... Uh, that's that's sort of the the starting line. There's a lot of other things that that matter as a DM, and the reason this comes to play is uh, the adventure I ran in. We were in a three hour time slot, and it's a three hour time mm. slot. Wow, that's really short. That's odd. Yes, uh, for a four hour adventure. Mm. Okay. 
Now that means as a DM, you need to use time management, right? You <laughs> so do the players. The, but the players don't know when the adventure ends. It's entirely on the DM. Okay. Okay. And if and if the players are dragging their feet, you need to give them the clues to say you guys need to speed this up, right? Mm-hmm. And hope they take the hint. Yeah, and hope they take that. So we're playing this adventure and we're tool and throw it. We're not taking that much time. We're actually doing some crazy stuff like going ethereal so, through a lot of the stuff so that we, we can <laughs> skip enti- like an entire room. Nice. Um, and this is right before dinner. So it's five o'clock. We're in the middle of what we think is the final fight. And he's like, well, you know, you guys are almost done. Well, let's, let's finish this up. Well, I have a game to run an hour later and I still need to get food. So we take the next 10 minutes, we finish up the final fight, and we're like, okay, we grab the, the magic crystal or whatever the hell it was. And the DM goes, oh, the big statue that's holding the magic crystal of the giant snake, it comes alive. Everybody roll initiative. Oh, jeez. But we're like, but okay. he led you to believe that you were done. Well, for the most so part. then we're like, wait a minute. There's a whole nother fight here. It's like 510. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that last one wasn't the final fight. This is the final fight. You guys can stop now, but you'd fail the adventure. Whoa. What? Yeah. He actually said that. Yes. That, wow. Those came, and I was like, so I'm sorry, but that's his fault. Yes. Like, if you know you need to run a, th- a four-hour module in three hours, you cut out that other fight. Yeah. Cut right? out something. Yeah. You, Absolutely. You cut a piece suck, of the adventure yeah. so that the party can—everybody wants to finish the adventure. I do that all the time. Yes. Yes. And or you even cut the other the, fight short. Yeah. Or just even on the fly, you just get rid of it. Yeah. Wow. Um, so that sort of—I don't know if it made me irate, but it annoyed me. Mm-hmm. Did you fight the statue? Folks, we just, did. for those listening out there, Eric gets— annoyed a lot yeah most of my <laughs> life i spend annoyed um so i started thinking like because it was a two and a half hour drive to this convention so on the way home you know i'm thinking okay like how can i turn this into a podcast so <laughs> so you know you do that at work too don't you i do yeah, so, well God, some person days was work. annoying how can i turn it depends this? um so i guess I, we really want to talk about like what does it take to run a successful game besides just knowing the rules yeah. because that guy ran that game he knew the rules yeah but i would say that at the end of the day everybody's sort of left annoyed and we sort of had fun until we realized we had a whole nother fight to go and we we're all going to miss dinner was he a good dm up until that point yeah yeah i mean his he was solid his mm-hmm. rules knowledge he had, he had all the little minis and you know i mean um he was a a little oppositional, which that's one of my pet peeves. But yeah. we'll talk about that. Yeah. So I guess I mean I guess I should throw it out. Rather, you know, we have a little bit of an outline with notes here, but it's going to be pretty free, free form. What do you guys appreciate in a game master or a DM besides just the rule knowledge? For me, again, I've not been a player as much as I've been a DM, but those times that I have been a player, I really appreciate it when the DM is willing to work with me or other players around an issue that you know yeah sure we've got the abilities and the stats and things like that we can roll for but i would rather you know maybe that chance is pretty minute but the dm is willing to work with me depending on how i describe or how i you know set the situation up to accomplish the goal or or solve the problem yeah yeah, working with the players is yeah. That's a that's a big thing with me as a mm-hmm. kind of playery kind of person, and you know, getting getting some of the players' quirks in, maybe just just 
subtly working them in so they feel like they're part of the action and not just walking through what he has set up. You know, mm-hmm. the, even even if you are railroading players, don't let them feel that they're being railroaded. Yeah. You can railroad players and and they can not know they're being railroaded. As long as they're having fun, they won't care. I don't I don't mind being railroaded as long as I think that I'm I bought the ticket. <laughs> so Eric, you did mention something that you said you were looking at your watch and you knew you knew that you had another game in an hour and you still had to eat and all that kind of stuff. I know that you as a DM have prepped beforehand. You know what the adventure is. But I always feel better when I go into a game and I see the DM is already there at the table before I get there. Yeah. And everything is set up. To me, that makes me feel better about what I can expect out of the game. Yeah, you run into that a lot. Adventure And that's with not just RPGs, any any game. game. Yes. But at cons, it's different because what if your game master just got stuck in a three-hour D&D session that, that ran, ran 40 minutes over, over late yeah. then that's a and little then had to s- grab a sandwich and he shows up and like, oh my God, I just had a horrible session. Okay. Let me run something but, for you. But right. prep, prep starts way before that. I, yeah. Prep starts with scheduling your game so that you have room to allow for that. Not only that, but how, and Dean, you run a lot of games. How many times have you run a game that you didn't even start to look at the stuff until right before the game? I mean, it happens. Yes, it does happen. You know, that, if you, you know, I can't tell you the number of times I've, I've sat down at tables and the DM's like, oh, let me, let me look through this adventure. <laughs> like, yeah. Mm-hmm. How, yeah. How good an adventure is it going to be if you don't? You're not even familiar with it, right? Yeah, that's happened at cons with me a couple of times at Gary Con, but they they always apologized for it up first. Hi, the person that was supposed to be running this isn't showing up. Yeah, you know, they just told me 30 minutes ago that I'm running this, but I've done it before, or I'm familiar with this stuff. So and you know, bear with that's me. That's the and case. It'll be okay. You need to take that 30 minutes. That happened to yeah. me up at the convention in Bloomington. They, you know, I got an adventure dropped in my lap with 10 minutes prep time. I spent that 10 minutes reading the adventure. Yeah. You know, um, at least getting familiar with it enough that I could provide some sort of quality experience. And it went fine. Yeah, when that happened to me, it, it always turned out pretty well. They were they were good game masters. That was, yeah, I was, but was you lucky. have to take that responsibility to prep the adventure, which mm-hmm. brings sort of the second point. The mood, your mood as a game master. If you're in a crappy mood, no one's going to have fun. Yeah, nope. exactly. So... Just like a dog can sense if you're afraid of them or scared or something like that, your players can also sense that. And this goes for players, too. Well, that's true. If your player comes in in a crappy mood... I want to kill something. Yeah. No, it's not even that. I want to kill you. (laughs) I mean, now it's fine if you had a tough day at work and you're going to use D&D to unwind. But don't show up at a game with a case case of the ass... Like, and you're going to take it out on everybody at the table. Mm-hmm. Like, and so another thing that happened at this convention, I had a problem player. And this guy probably needed to be on medications, almost definitely needed to be on medications. <laughs> like, flipped out. We're in a, the Epic, which is a multi table event. Yeah. And uh, we're near the end of a battle, and time's running out, right? And it's, it's, so it was actually a competitive event. Yeah, and things get tense then. I mean, we haven't yeah. been there. Yeah. So, and he's not sure what to do. He's playing a paladin. And he spent the adventure, like, throwing bottles of brandy on monsters, you know? And, huh? Yeah. Because he wanted to light things on fire. Okay, that's fine. That's what you want to do. Maybe but it's a should, competitive maybe attempt. The rest, of his, rest <laughs> of his table wanted to be competitive. They wanted to try to try to get through as much content as they could to score points. And, you know, it's 
it's a way to play D&D. I wouldn't want to do it all the time, but it's fun, fun every once in a while. So this guy's dawdling back and forth, like, oh, I don't know what to do, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's his turn on initiative. And one of the other players goes, just, just hit him with your sword. The fight's almost over. He's almost dead. And the guy goes, don't tell me what to do, and screams oh, wow. it, like, angrily. Really? And the whole room gets quiet. Wow, that's super awkward. Yeah. So, you know what, dude? Take your meds before you play D&D. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, what, what and do you what did, call And what did you do? Uh, well, I was I tend to stand when I DM, yeah. so um, I tried to get everybody back on track by saying nothing to see here, just normal paladin <laughs> hijinks. <Yeah>. Just <laughs> you know, and everyone was like, "Oh, okay," and, and yeah. they went back because he wasn't like continuing; he just had this like single outburst. He was clearly something. I don't random know. neuron. Yeah. Shot now, granted, off and- that's an obvious uh, problem player. Okay. Yeah. What are some other problem players that you come across in a regular game session? And I don't care if it's RPGs or regular, you know, board game, tabletop games. I mean, I've had, I was playing a game of Battlestar Galactica at Winter War, and there was a young man who was playing, and he was clearly, now that I know more about it, clearly autistic. Yeah. I didn't know that then. Yeah. Um, And it wasn't until about halfway through the game that I kind of figured out his how he worked yep and then we turned it into a better game but the beginning oh it was rough it was really rough but then towards the end we he was having a great time we were having a great time and he was kind of feeding off of us to the point where at the very end when the humans did win he literally did a lap around the convention room just screaming and and giggling and (laughs) letting that that emotion out you don't see that every day no, no. <laughs> and and that's, yeah, that, that for me that was a win because he had a great time. There's a fine line there. I mean, if you have some sort of a disability, mm-hmm. like should you be required to like tell the DM, hey, by the way, like I'm prone to sudden outbursts of profanity, like I have yeah. Tourette's syndrome. <laughs> you should probably mention that, right? Yeah. Are you required just to just like case. when I sit down, I tell people, listen, I have a hard time hearing, and you know, I got some hearing loss yeah. in a convention game. I have a hard time hearing, so I might ask you to repeat yourself. It's not because I'm questioning what you're doing; it's because I can't hear what you're saying. So I sort of put that out there. Uh, when young kids, I always appreciate if I have young kids, if the parent will say, "Hey, they're my kids." You know, if I'm if they're not playing the game, I'm going to be right over here. You know, if if you need yeah. anything, right? Um, if the parents there, then then I don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, it is sort of the responsibility of the player to sort of give a heads up. You know, I have no problem running somebody with autism. That, you know, but if there are certain things, or you know, and they have those trigger warnings too. Somebody who's you know a survivor of sexual abuse or something who's like, I don't deal with that stuff well. You know, generally, I think a lot of that gets overblown. But there is, you know, that is it good to know. Up. I mean, sometimes adventures right. get dark and they go places that people might not want to go. So, you know, a quick aside with the DM does help if, yeah. if, if you're a player. Um, what about those players? Uh, go ahead. You, you look well, like the, you're about ready to say the, something. The one thing, you know, the what I hear a lot talking about player problems is players on phones. Okay. Yes. That was one of the things I was going to bring up. So I'll come back to my thought after we talk about people on their phones. And... Here's my view. If it's anybody's fault, it's the DM's fault. I'd agree with that. Because they're not distracting the player sufficiently to keep them off of the well, damn so phone. Well, so there's two situations. One, the player actually needs to be on the phone. Right. You know, their they're yeah. mother's in the hospital or on the way to well, the hospital or whatever. I'm not going to get in the way of that. Or two, they're not, they're not buying into the game. 
Well, now, before you go yeah. too far, what about those people who are using the phone as a resource, as in yeah, D&D Beyond? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's different. different. Okay. All right, because yeah. a yeah. lot of my players are now either on their laptops or on their iPad because that's how they have their character sheet. I don't know what they're looking at, you know, yeah, that's, outside yeah. of that because I'm behind a screen and they obviously are down the table. But, yeah, you can tell when someone's on the phone. And, and I agree. It is the DM. I fault. use an iPad, and truthfully, sometimes I actually purposefully look stuff up if a player is separate. If my character would not have knowledge of what the other person's doing, I will try to not pay as close attention because from oh. a role-play perspective, I don't know what they're I see it all the time, people acting on meta-knowledge. Mm-hmm. One player walks down the hall, sees an orc, you know, they're 30 feet ahead of the party, and the rest of the party goes, we charge the orc. And you're like, well, you don't know the orc is there. Right. <laughs> he knows the orc is there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I try very hard when characters are off doing something that I'm not involved in to not pay attention. I pull something out to read or I get on my phone or I do something to distract me just because and I'm going to want to make it's human nature for players to want to offer up suggestions. I can't give you any advice because you're in another room doing something stupid and I'm back with the rest of the the players or the characters, you know, doing my thing. Um, I can't say uh, maybe you should come back out. No, I don't know that. I think, well, maybe you should just stay in there. I don't know. But yeah. And speaking of the phone still on that topic, have you ever been in a situation, a game, where the DM or the GM has asked you to put your phones away? Or I've been to some events that are not game-related where they have a basket and you See, put your phone See, I don't agree with that either. There. Like, no, what if your that. parent is in the hospital? Right? I mean, when I was at I, Winter War, I got a call from my brother. Dad just got taken to the hospital. Okay. Okay, I need to get that call. Yeah. It's not like the the basket is like in yeah. another right? room. And, and actually, I got the call. I didn't pick up because I was in a game. He left me a voicemail. My right. brother never leaves voicemails. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. what's this? I stepped out, listened to the voicemail. Understandable. So, Understandable. But I, I do think there is maybe something to maybe having the little box or basket. Like, your phone's there. You can have it on. Just yeah. don't be messing yeah. with it all the yeah. time. I think it's, you know, that's too much. I think people you think so? I think people should be, be able to regulate themselves more. That's just being a civil human which, being. Which takes me to my next sort of overarching. D&D, like all these player problems and again, I see tons of people giving advice online that is bad advice. Right. I have this player, yeah. what should I do? Kill his character. I love that <laughs> yeah, one. That's yeah, that's awesome. Kill his character. The Facebook D&D fighting you know, group is I, great I, with that. I used to play D&D with my girlfriend, but we're, we're breaking up. What should I do? Kill her character, then yeah. she'll stop coming. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, ask, so, asking people online for advice is frequently yeah. not the best yeah. thing to do. So yeah. D&D is inherently a social activity, right? Mm-hmm. It, that, that's yes. what it is. If you had that problem in a different social activity... How would you deal with it? So if you played Ultimate Frisbee with your girlfriend and you were on the rocks, would it be a good idea to just smack her in the head with the Frisbee as hard as you can so she stops coming? Probably not. Probably not. (laughs) I mean, so... Might happen. So (laughs) what it comes down to is deal with those problems outside of the game. We've talked on this before. Yeah. Um, You know, bring a person aside and say, listen... I see that you and your girlfriend aren't having a great time together. You're not really, you know, yeah. What? How are anymore. we going to fix it? How do we yeah. work on this? Because she wants to play, you want to play, and I want you guys to play. But you guys, obviously, you know that type of stuff. You got to deal with yeah. stuff. So, in the real that world. is a DM soft skill. You mm-hmm. might not want to have to deal with it because it's usually awkward, right? Right. But that, to me, a DM's ability to manage those those player problems 
correctly mm-hmm. is crucial, especially you know a long running game. Yeah, I want to yeah. ask you about for both of your opinions on that player that keeps trying. He's a great role player, but his role play tends to distract or just take the game in a tangent. Not that you necessarily don't want it to go, but it just delays the action and the story for everyone else because he's going to role play the crap out of his character yeah. and all the attention's on him and everybody else is sitting around waiting for you to finish it, flirting it, with the barmaid. You know what my analogy for that is? You ever go to the amusement park? Of course. Mm-hmm. Do you go to, let's say you go to the amusement park and you love roller coasters, right? And then the person you're going with dislikes roller coasters. That's the situation you just put yourself in. You're both at the amusement park. You go, hey, let's go on a roller coaster. And they go, I, I don't like roller coasters. <laughs> and you're going to do that over and over right. all day. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, that's where the zero session comes in. This is the kind of game I run. This is the kind of game everybody else is interested right. in playing. I see this a lot now with Critical Role, which whose Kickstarter is a, probably going to hit $10 million. Wow, I haven't looked for a while. Yeah, it's over nine, I think, last time I looked. <sighs> So Critical Role, and I see a ton of these players. Um, some of the Grognards dislike Critical Role. It's not real D&D. And they also dislike the fact that people show up expecting D&D to be like it is on Critical Role. Yes. yes. Critical Role, those players are very vested in their characters. On the the index from zero being total number crunchers to 100 being total role players— they're probably at 90. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I mean, they are way... I mean, there are long periods of time where it's just yeah. characters interacting with characters and building the relationships and, and changing those relationships over time. And they're all professional actors. And they're all professional <laughs> actors. And they're getting paid. Yeah, well, they get a little money for, for the show, but they, they actually started as just... Yeah, they, right. they like the game. And Matt Mercer is a top-notch GM, right? So, and a professional actor. And a professional yeah. actor. So. <laughs> That's um, important. <laughs> so people come in, and they expect D&D to be like that. And especially at conventions, it's They're almost never like that. sorely disappointed. Yeah, yeah, it's probably on that scale of 0 to 100, instead of 90, it's probably 10. Okay? <laughs> you know, convention play, we got four hours. We got to fit it in. It's almost all number crunching. There's well, very little role playing. It's an adventures that, league, and I'm never going to see you again. Yeah. yeah. That, that leads to a lot of frustration. Mm-hmm. Um, now, game prep... Bringing in things like the minis or dungeon terrain, sirenscape, things like that. I would include that in part of the DM soft skills, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, it's all those other things that improve the quality of the game mm-hmm. that, that you can bring to the table. It's harder to do in a convention setting, certainly in a home setting, that's a lot easier. Yeah. Um, I always find that a game that I come into and there's all these little... Extra bits and pieces um, always makes the game much more enjoyable. Um, I do have a question for you, though. Yeah. What do you do about the, the, the player who's been gaming for a while, and he starts to nod off, and then all of a sudden he just wakes up and says, I shoot him! <laughs> I shoot him with my needler rifle! Give him another beer! <laughs> you know, I mean... A direct jab at Again, yeah. this is a total soft skill. Yeah. If Greg is over there nodding off... I go, Greg, what does your player do? What does your character do? (laughs) Boom. When someone hears their name, they focus their attention, right? That's just a a device you can use, not even in D&D. I mean, you see that, and it drives me nuts because there's that uh, 
couple like books that salesmen read. And those books say, if you use somebody's name, they like it, right? So like when you go to buy a car, they're like, Eric, what do I need to do to get you in this car? Let me tell you, Eric, this car is a yeah. great car, Eric. And I'm like, yeah. okay, you only need to use my damn name once. Right? Not every okay. sentence. Like now it's just annoying me. So mm -hmm. I'm not going to buy the car. Um, but there is some truth that when people hear their name, they react, right? They're yeah. like, oh, okay. Um, at the convention I was just at, like half the people were named Eric. So that wasn't necessarily <laughs> true. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, you, yeah, it is, it is important to try to keep everyone and, and and this is hard this is i and i realize it's really hard you need to try at some point to keep all the players engaged by giving them something to do yes. and if you've got one or two players who are sort of their their character has the skills that are necessary for a lot of the scenario somewhere in there you got to have something built in and that star frontiers was a classic example we were exploring a ship but my character was a stone killer, so I had nothing to do because I just wanted to murder something. That was my job, killing people from a distance, and we got put inside of a starship. And <laughs> the line of sight was 30 meters. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and it was just, yeah, the, the only, we went into something to kill once. We even got surrounded by creatures, and we just laughed them. Yeah. And I figured, I thought we were going to have a big hall fight. No, we didn't have a hall fight. We did a little, we had a couple science rolls, and then we left. Yeah, and for a one-shot game, everybody, yeah. the characters might have been better chosen, right? I mean, so that everybody yeah, we could do more, stuff. more scientists, less uh, infantrymen. Yeah. yeah. So. You got to keep that in mind. Yeah. Uh, so that's a prep thing, You need thing, to keep the, the players engaged. The other thing, as a, as a DM, you need to figure out, where you're coming from in terms of what your attitude towards the player is. So I, I mentioned this briefly, oppositional DMs in Dungeons and Dragons drive me nuts. Yes, I totally agree with that. Um, if your goal is to kill players, it's not hard to do. Yeah. No. Um, and unfortunately, again, at conventions, they have a little booklet in front of them. So they think this is my resource and the players have their character sheets and that's their resource. And it's me against them. So if I can use anything in this book, and they end up dead, that's the way it's supposed to work. And that is not cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What makes a confrontational and oppositional DM? I mean, what gets into somebody who wants to just kill the characters so badly that that's their modus operandi for the entire session? The, well, that begs the question, why do people run games? Yeah. Right? I mean, we need to ask that first, I think. Okay, I run games exactly what you said, because of what you said. It's a social activity. I enjoy being in a room with other people who have similar likes, and they kind of want to experience the same thing that I want to out of that particular game, be it an RPG or a tabletop game. That's why I run a game. But what brings a person into a convention with the whole idea of, all right, as you said, this is my resource. This is how I beat you. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the problem. I I need to win. But there's not a... And I can't well, the, do the, it anyway else, yeah, so I'm the, going to do it here. The most but, charitable interpretation is that they don't really understand how D&D &D works. Well, I was just about to say, because D&D &D isn't like a board game where you have yes, a, it's a, cooperative a definitive game. win or victory condition. Mm -hmm. So that's the most charitable. Yeah. The yeah. least they, they need to charitable pandemic, is they have maybe. power right. issues. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Very good point <laughs> yeah. there, yes. Yeah. Yeah. The least charitable uh, is that they have power issues. Mm -hmm. So for whatever reason, yes. outside of D&D, &D, they don't feel like they have a lot of control. So when they get 
behind the DM screen, they have total control, and it goes to their head. Right. And I, unfortunately, I think I see some of that, too. Yeah, I think I've seen some of that as well. And now it's, it's not good for the players, but... I experienced doing that happens. a couple of times as a youngster when I was first into D&D, being confrontational towards some of my players. It left a very bad taste in my mouth. I, and I think that's the former rather than the latter, because I did the same thing. I mean, when you start playing D&D, you don't understand that it's a yeah. cooperative game, not a competitive game, because right. every game you've played up till then has been competitive. Nowadays, there's more cooperative yeah. games Yeah, see, there, I but. felt at that point that the players were competing against what I had created. They were trying to break yes. what I had made. And there's still a little bit of yes, that. Yes, there is. I mean, but if it's done well, and, and everybody, as you say, like in a zero session, everybody understands what the goals of the yeah. game are going to be But you be have about. to be an impartial moderator happen. as a dungeon master, at yes. the very least. You're, mm-hmm. You don't want to be on the player's side. That's why I don't fudge die rolls. All my die rolls are in the open, and I never fudge. I'm not on your side, but I'm not against you either, right? I, I can, you know, there's there's tools in yeah, my toolbox. I'm moderating. I'm moderating the game. And if I realize that, oh, I threw three dragons at them, because I, you know, I'm not good at math, and this party can't handle three dragons. Maybe I'm going to have something change in the fight so I don't kill the party because it's not really their fault. They've done everything they should do to the fullest extent of their abilities to win at this fight. Um, so maybe one of the dragons runs away. The the three dragon fight that they just had, it actually started as a true two dragon fight. Oh, yeah. Um, but I had the third dragon watching via magical means that was creepy and if the <laughs> if the fight went poorly for the dragons he was going to show up that's my way of hedging my bet because um they're high level they yeah, can do all kinds right. of crazy crap right and that monk can stun a creature for an entire combat round and take yeah. him out um so i wanted to have the reserve in fact the fight did go too easy and the third dragon says okay i'm going to come and i'm going to start to whoop up on them um, they ended up gaining the upper hand for that one as well. So now we're advancing the storyline. He's going to go kill everybody they love. Because um, <laughs> that's only fair. Yeah. Because um, that's not confrontational at all. Yeah. And then he, they're going to have to go get him in his lair yeah. where he's much more powerful. Greg, are you taking notes? Oh, yeah. I know what's going on. Okay. Um, I, I know we're screwed. <laughs> so, Maybe I, we can get him to talk a little bit more and reveal some stuff that, you know. So, you know, as a, know. as a DM, you set the challenge, but it has to be an attainable. It has to be, there right. has to be a victory mm-hmm. condition that's yes. attainable, right? And that's that's the hard part. Now, there's some games like Paranoia, which in my mind, and Call of Cthulhu, are some of the two hardest games to run. And you see uh, that most conventions have a hard time getting those game masters for those games. And I think think that's because you are oppositional as a dm but you can't be crazy oppositional you're no longer in paranoia everybody starts like seven or nine clones and part of the fun of the game is players getting killed for stupid reasons if you've (laughs) never played it it's this futuristic where a computer runs this alpha complex where the characters live and grow up they're born in vats and the computer's crazy and kills characters like the the classic you know like uh you know, do, do you love computer? Well, if you love the computer, you know, obviously you're too close to the computer. You need to be focused on Alpha Complex. So we're going to kill you. If you don't love the computer, why don't you love the computer? I'm going to kill you because you don't love the computer. So there's <laughs> no right answer. You're going to die either way. Yeah. You know, kind of those kind of situations. Um, 
It's also illegal to be part of a secret organization, but everybody starts as part of a secret organization. <laughs> so you have to nice. be killed. And they changed the game. This Just a quick aside. And originally, it was the communists. Like, the communists were bad. The commies. Well, it was the game the came 80s. out in the 80s. And they now changed it to something different. But if I'm running paranoia, it's still the commies. All right. You know, yes. you got to no go old school. I miss, yep. I miss the Cold War. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it might be back. <laughs> well, I think we fell asleep at the wheel, and the Cold War is back. But yeah. that's um, another aside. And Call of Cthulhu, yeah. <laughs> 95% of Call of Cthulhu right. games end up with the players dead. Yes. That's yeah. sort of part of the game. I think the players go into that with that expectation, though. Yeah. Like Maybe it's not 95. That. It depends on the GM, it's I suppose. But it's a lot. It's at least mm-hmm. half. You're going to lose a player every session, yeah. almost so, certainly. But it still needs to be fun for the players, and that's a very mm-hmm. fine line to walk. You're, you're a quasi-oppositional, but not really. Yeah, and a lot of people have a different definition of what is fun for them. Yeah, and, and some people just want to go in and kill, 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 right? Yeah, and others want to go in and role play, which I think Eric just had a good lesson in that yeah. at, uh, at GaryCon <laughs> with our Cthulhu thing. Yes, but it also yeah. segues into our next little bit. Oh, that's right. Yeah, sometimes it's hard to to get those two to match up. So. Yeah, you've got the one guy who just wants to kill, 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 and then all of a sudden he decides he's going to go role play. Yeah, well, we have a little example of that. Yeah. I've been thinking about what you said last week, that I spend most of our time in combat and don't roleplay as much as I could. Well, maybe you're right. I think I'm going to try to do more stuff outside of combat from now on. Funny you should mention that. The mayor of the town has invited you to a party celebrating the marriage of his daughter. The affair is formal, and knowing you're an adventurer, he's taken the liberty of having the appropriate dress delivered to your room. The Paisley Cumberbund is particularly eye-catching. Cumberbund? How many hit dice is that? I shoot it with my bow. No, no, no. A cumberbund is a Broadway sash normally worn with dinner jackets. Will it fit over my plate mail? Not really. This is a formal affair. Armor isn't really appropriate. You're just going to dinner. A good meal and pleasant conversation will be a nice change from your recent adventuring. Okay. Um... I have the set of leather armor I looted from the brigand. See? I still have it written on my character sheet. My notes say he was a little smaller than I am, so it should be tight on me. I'm going to put the armor on under my clothes and use this cummerbund thing to conceal any slight bulges. Um, okay, it does look a little strange, but you managed to get the formal clothing on under your armor. You head down to the dining hall and the maitre d' greets you, and there are about 40 other people here, all very well-dressed. They seem to be chit-chatting in small groups, and the atmosphere is very festive. Does the seat have a back to it? I don't want to get in the way of my greatsword if I have to draw it in a hurry. Wait, what? Greatsword? You, you came you came with your greatsword? What are you carrying? You do realize this is a dinner party, right? Oh, of course, but I like to be prepared. Let's see, I have my greatsword, two daggers, four javelins, my longbow, 20 arrows, that magic mace I got last week, six short swords I got from those brigands, and 40 darts. Uh... Oh, okay. You get some very curious looks from the other attendees, none of whom are carrying weapons. I ignore them. No way I'm giving up my weapons. I know how these things usually turn out. My guy is sort of hungry. Is there any food around here? Yes, yes there is! I'm glad you're finally getting into the spirit of the party. You see a buffet table on the far side of the room. There's a large crowd around it. The food must be really good. No problem. I push through the crowd on my warhorse and check out what kind of food is available. Wait, what? 
Warhorse? This is going to be a long session. There we go. Perfect yeah. example. The the player expectation and the DM expectation do not match up. I would have a problem with that guy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, yeah. Gre Greg will go whole sessions without rolling a die, even though he owns a ton of die yeah. dice. He will. He yeah. Will that. Uh, yeah. Gen Con last year, one of the one of my best experiences uh, there. We played a four hour game and we didn't roll any dice until the last thirty minutes. Really? Yeah. Well, it was a D and D game. Uh, no, it was uh, it was a. Freeform kind of made up system. It was supposed to be a, uh, I believe it was supposed to be a Cthulhu thing, mm -hmm. but it, uh, no, it wasn't Cthulhu because there was no sanity. But it, it was a, it was a system. It doesn't matter what the system was. We just didn't need any sort of competitive die rolling until the end. We yeah. just kind of worked it out. It was, uh, it was pretty awesome. Can we, can we pick on Greg a little bit? Sure. Oh, why, why, st why would we stop? Why now? stop now? Yeah. yeah. How many of the dice that you own, Greg, have actually, really, actually been rolled on a table? Eh. 10-15%? That's probably generous. Oh, my God. I yeah. don't even want to know what number that 10 or 15% is part of. Yeah. No. It's you, funny because uh, in my biweekly group, Greg plays with his daughter, mm -hmm. and um, and what, they sit next to each other frequently, and when I'm setting up my stuff, I look over, they have all their dice, both of them lined up <laughs> with the high value face up. <laughs> You know, organized by me. the number of sides because it makes a difference. Yep, she learned that <laughs> like from me. Prime yeah. in the pump. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I, um, I buy her a set of dice for pretty much every occasion. She got dice in her Easter basket last year. Yeah, I, <laughs> we, my twenty-four-year-old sells an Easter basket. Hey, I bought my and, kids uh, die. Uh, she dice got boxes. dice for Christmas and dice for her birthday because okay. I just like buying dice too. We had a new player at Adventures League at the game store, and he had one set of dice and. Um, I gave him a second set last week because, like, when he would roll with advantage, he'd pick up one die and he'd roll it, and they'd pick up the same die and roll it again. And I'm like, oh my God, this is painful to That's watch. That's sad. Like, you just need to be able to roll two sad. D20s at once. Uh, <laughs> anyway, oh getting gosh. back to our topic. Yes. All right. Yeah. So, a lot, just sort of like a start, I guess, start that's, to wrap up. This that's, comes, that's part of the game master being prepared right that's there. That's right. Extra yeah. die for people who may not have their own. Yeah. Um, which is never a problem for Greg. He no. always has extra dice. Um, this comes down to what I call the rule of fun. Okay, as a game master, you are ultimately responsible to make sure everybody has fun. Correct. Now, 100%. you can't force someone to no. have fun, but you have to give everybody the opportunity to have fun. That game I played at the last convention, that didn't happen. Right. We got to the end of the adventure. He's like, well, you guys were already over, but you guys can stop now or fail, you know, and fail. What did you do? We continued because you know we're, you were, we're gamers, and then I didn't get I didn't get dinner till eleven o'clock that night. Yeah, wow. You know? um, and that can put you off too because if you're thinking about eating yeah. or you're hungry, that can and that night set I was you back a bit. I was running an epic right, yeah. which is a sort of high pressure DM situation because yeah. they're usually time players, and. You know, when I DM, I don't want to do a crappy job as a DM. I want to be on my A game, especially when I'm at a convention, you know, and this, you know, is a charity convention. I want to, you know, let the, you know, get word out that, hey, you know, this convention's a good convention. This one, this actually convention also rates DMs. Oh, um, nice. You get a little feedback. People, they have a feedback form, which is nice to get because then mm -hmm. you know, okay, I need to work on this yeah. or whatever. Um hmm. Now, I know that we talked about this in an earlier podcast, one of our first ones, but at the same time, the DM is there. He's responsible for making sure that everybody has fun. The players have a little bit of that responsibility, too. They, yes. they can get in the way of that. They can fun block, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, they, players need to not do that. 
Uh, but they also need to allow them, don't fun block themselves, right? So sometimes players, you get some players that no matter what you do, they're not going to be happy. Right. Right. And yeah. that's that's on them. And some players just, they're just not fun people. Yeah. They just or, are not a lot of fun in general. Maybe in a real life situation or in general. I've sat down with some people at some tables and I'm like, why are you here? Yeah. yeah no, that totally has happened. Or the opposite. I'm too much fun. It, it has, you know, I have to, my character has to be in the center of everything. I have to be driving what's going on. That that happened at GaryCon as well. We had a player and, and she just, she had to chime in on every single action that every single player yeah. did but and put in what she was doing. That almost and comes back to the DM though. As yeah. a DM, you have control over that. I will yeah. frequently, when someone's doing that, I will say, you're not there. I'll turn to that player and say, yeah. you're not there. No, like, that, that here's happening. your first warning. Mm-hmm. Don't talk because yeah. they're the ones who are in, you know. Yeah. Um, it's his turn. A Let lot of this, and, and we don't like to admit it, but a lot of this comes back to the DM. That's table control. And if you're not going to control the table as a game master, who is? <laughs> the players are going to take over. Yeah. yeah. And that's but they're not, not going to be in a good position. I mean, no. you have that inherent authority as the game master that there's some level that the players expect you to exert control over the table. When things devolve into chaos... They should expect you to exert control over the table. When things devolve into chaos, it's because you're not exerting that player control. I have no problem telling somebody, you need to to quiet down because you're not there. They're the ones that are talking with this NPC. Um, Or, uh, you know, if a player... Does does other stuff, you know, taking forever on initiative. Mm-hmm. I'll start the initiative countdown. Five, four, three, two, one, next player. Yeah. Like, we're not going to spend yeah. five minutes on your initiative every round. I, like, yeah. And then the, those players who just are not prepared for anything that comes up in a situation. Yeah, they want the total recap. Yeah. Uh, getting back just a little bit, I actually was part of a table where the players literally took control of the game. Not literally, but the DM, and this again is DM prep, he was so unprepared for the abilities of what these players could do that they just ran ramshackle over this DM. Anything he threw at them. They was just, it D&D? Yes, it was. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I have another funny story from the convention. Quick aside. So this player shows up, and it was during either the epic or the special. I was running tier one, so little player, maybe tier two. Still pretty low level. Yeah. And this guy shows up riding a giant crap. <laughs> now, you can ride creatures in 5th edition D&D, but he was a medium-sized player. A giant crab is a medium-sized creature. So? In D&D. Do you have to be a size you down get, to ride You have to be yeah. a size down. Yeah. Small can ride medium. So I go, wait a minute. That's And he goes, well, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so let me do it when we play at the game shop. Yeah. And, and no. I'm like, you know what? I'll allow it. Fine. I'm not going to, whatever. He, you know, theoretically, it doesn't make a whole lot of difference. That crab does not have substantially different stats from a large size creature. If anything, it's worse. Probably yeah. has lower hit points mm-hmm. than if he rode, you know, a, a large size creature. Awkwardly large will block the other players and yeah. Yeah. ripe so, for a crab boil. Yeah. So oh, <laughs> he hated those jokes. Those jokes were like, Fast and Furious. So um, he should have expected that. So of course, now Greg, this won't surprise you because you know me as a DM. <laughs> so he rides his giant crab up to the big boss monster and starts to attack. Who do you think I attack? The, the crab. crab. The crab. <laughs> the look on his face. 
I was like, hey, man, you want to ride a crab into combat? That's now a target. Same way I target familiars. You want your yeah. familiar to help you with attacks? First thing I'm doing is smacking that familiar because I know I can take it down in one hit. Yeah. Sure enough, that crab, crab legs. And <laughs> he was so crusty. He's like, well, it has a name, so it gets death saving throws. And I'm thinking what? to myself, what? That's, that's not really how it works, but <laughs> wow. I, I don't care. I'll Did let you kill you. the crab? No, he made it. I let him make death saving throws and he made it, but it was stressful. Yeah. But again, to me, that makes the game more interesting because now he's very invested in this yes, combat. Yes. Right? <laughs> he's going to do everything he can to make sure that the boss dies. Yeah. yeah. And, and the rest, and the rest gonna, of the players are thinking, I'm having a good dinner tonight. And if nothing else, I waste one attack on the crab, and now a player wastes an entire action pouring a healing potion down a crab's throat. Oh, man. <laughs> um, that's but, just creepy. So that was just a, a quick side. But to me, that's that's, you know. That's the rule of fun. Uh, fun yeah. does not easy does not mean cakewalk. No, no. Fun means an achievable challenge. Usually, that's the opposite. Cakewalk is not. Yeah, fun. it's not no, fun. Cake, they're boring. Um, so here now you throw you know something in the mix that was unexpected, which is what why we have a DM. If we just wanted a game that was rote. We could play Shoots and Ladders mm-hmm. or Monopoly. Yeah. Because they're the game of life. That's yeah. a pretty that's the most linear game there yeah, is. Yeah, you don't yeah. need a moderator for those. But the advantage to D D is that as a DM, I can now mix things up and that's the cooperative storytelling. Like Greg said way at the beginning, he does not appreciate DMs who railroad. Well, as a DM, not only shouldn't you railroad, but you should take that part the players give you and twist it a little bit to make it challenging. Um, and that's a DM soft skill, the ability to do that, to, to provide an adventure, modify an adventure, to keep that challenge level high so everybody's having fun. So if we were to wrap this up with a bit of advice to any DM out there, what would it be in terms of the soft skills? How could we encapsulate yeah. this in a nice little bow? Adventure prep. You need to prepare the adventure. I was going to say, right. it's got to be prep. You gotta be gotta it's be gotta prep. be prep. Okay, table management. You need to manage your table, and okay. what that management skill is it's, differs from yeah, DM yeah. to Problem DM. Problem players, time management, yeah. and don't let things go because they're not going to get better. Yeah, that's a very good point, Greg. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you just let things, if you gloss over it, the person's going to think, well. I did it once. I can do it again. It's just going to yeah, get that, worse that, that player in my game that was distracting everybody as the, as the game wore on, she grabbed more and more. As soon as she found out she was not getting shut down but getting appeased, she took over more and more. Yeah. And it got and after, by hour and three, that, it was that leads torturous. to the third one: adventure flow. During the session, you need to maintain the proper flow of the adventure. If one person's derailing it or yeah. you know that's not going the way you you need to keep that adventure moving forward so everybody's involved and everybody's having a good time the rule of fun you are responsible to make sure everybody has the opportunity to have a good time yeah that's important all right well anything else that we need to cover on this soft yeah. skill no and hopefully next next one we i think we're going to try to do clerics for our we're getting close to the end of our uh Different classes. classes. Different yeah. classes. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think clerics are up next. Okay. That should be interesting. And if you have any suggestions for topics out there, dear listeners, let us know. Greg loves I, to answer the emails. He's being, like, inundated now inundated. with, like, we, we got our two second email from our, uh, <laughs> from our email guy. So, oh. Yeah. Same person? Yes. That's, oh, that's yes. a 100% increase over that's, last year. It is. Year. It is. Uh, yeah. Last last time. And have great, great stats. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Well, Greg, take us out. Anyway, if you have any suggestions or comments, uh, as always, the easiest place to get us where we all hang out is on Facebook, where we are The Grognards. Uh, on Twitter, we are at T Grognards. Um, we are also on Instagram as The underscore Grognards. And if you want to be our second emailer, we are gamers at thegrognards.com. All right. Well, for The Grognards, I'm Dean Geiken. I'm Eric Holly. And I'm Greg Ziegler. Game on. <laughs>